we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Howdy, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And we've got an episode for you today. Do we? I we we like started recording like pretty soon after I got here. We go, so what are we? We doing didn't really today? talk about this episode beforehand. No. I'm going blind. Yeah. Blind, blind. Completely blind. Yeah. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about a phenomenon uh, often connected to UFO abductions and high strangeness. It's also a phenomenon that, in many cases, probably has a simple explanation. Oh. We're talking about missing time. You're starting the year off with this no fun. Well, I I also parade so, raining. So I included the simple explanation, and then I included a really fucking crazy explanation just to balance each other out because you know like that's what we do here we're the nonsense bazaar can i get wiggity yeah we're gonna get wiggity i'm gonna get wiggity yeah so like you know you might be um in the kitchen it's four o'clock in the afternoon you're making like maybe some box mac and cheese only takes like 15 minutes and yet uh you know you're finished mixing the powdered cheese the milk the pasta you look up at the clock it's 8 p.m <laughs> how is that possible you didn't just zone out and stand there idling for god knows how long right i mean like there would be evidence that you had done other things during those hours like wouldn't you be tired from standing there that whole time wouldn't your pasta be cold wouldn't you have some outgoing text messages but no no dog it's just the crushing despair of late stage capitalism (laughs) (laughs) it's piping hot macaroni at a a certain point all i do is stir the macaroni right this is stirring and stirring stirring for hours so like what happened what if you were snatched out of this dimension and taken somewhere else? Well, time just like moved forward without you or paused or did some other weird shit. Like we're going to be talking about weird time stuff today. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because time itself is more slippery than we think of it. Oh, at it's least, the slipperiest. At least our perception of time is very slippery. Like uh, what even is time? And if it does exist, then where where did time start? I mean, time is a dimension of reality. Is a reason that time and space are completely intertwined. The space-time continuum. Yes, yeah, it's, it's one thing. It's it's space-time, right? Yeah. In order to travel across space, you have to travel through right. time, right? So there's a few different like explanations for you know what time is and how to think of it. Uh, number one, time is infinite, so it just has no beginning and no end, and like goes on forever. It's just this in- infinite thing. Or maybe maybe time's cyclic. Maybe. Which also kind of avoids having a beginning and an end because it's just this cycle. It's just this repeating thing. Oh, everything in the universe is a cop out in some way. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Or what What if time is just a concept we invented to help us get through life and have a schedule? What if that's all it is? And I think it should be, uh, we should clarify, in this context, when we say time, we mean the arrow of time. The experience of time yes. as a beginning to end one direction, the experience, the arrow of time rather than time in the space time yes. sort of sense. The perception of, of the passage of time. Yes. yes. Y- yeah. Or maybe time is just an illusion caused by our observation of events. Maybe it's impacted by us observing it. Well, there's also one of the the 
the definitions of time that are like, you know, the, the, uh, like operating definition of what or whatever is that's used when you need to refer to time in a like scientific or yeah, a scientific or otherwise smart fuck context The like operating definition of time is what a clock reads. Cause that's the only definition yeah. that doesn't really cause a cascade of other problems. Right? right. The other kind of definition of time or like way to think about it is, uh, an increase in entropy. That is the law of thermodynamics that says that things tend tend towards entropy, chaos, systems falling apart, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the only like objective ways you can really look at time is as an increase of entropy right. from organization to disorganization. <clears throat> but then, of course, there's like that only thing I thought Nick Land ever said, which is cool, which is like the idea of entropy eddies where you like where you're, you know, building something or creating more order in the universe. You're mm-hmm. sort of like creating this eddy, like a, a backwards flowing spiral th- the the river of time essentially yeah. oh god i feel like i'm way more stoned than i actually am <laughs> so like obviously these are very interesting things to think about for some <laughs> or very troubling things <laughs> the passage of time and your perception of it really depends on who or even like what's observing it you know like think about what a day is to a human versus what it is to a hamster Like an an entire day. A hamster has no concept of how long a day is or when nighttime begins. They don't. They just function based on their circadian rhythm and they sleep in small bursts for up to 14 hours a day. They're they're just awake and then they're asleep and awake and asleep. But for humans, our day typically begins upon waking up. That's that's what we've come up with in, in our modern society. The day begins when you wake up and it ends when you go to sleep. Hamsters, no such thing. So really like this idea- How do you know? <laughs> I don't. You, you talked to a hamster recently? <laughs> yes, telepathically. Man, I don't think we're so different. No. I don't think I was, we're all just spinning on that wheel, man. Yes. It's all, it's all it is. Yeah, but we're not hamsters. You know, we, we like to measure everything. Humans, that's kind of like- one of our strong suits is that we've figured out how to record and and measure things, especially the passage of time. And we've gone through a few different evolutions of of how to do that. Like this whole mechanical clock, 24 hour day as we know it has not even been around that long. I mean, it's longer than me. I went to the, (laughs) I love clocks. Yeah. I went to the clock, the clock museum in uh, Utrecht, Netherlands. Mm -hmm. It's the best museum I've ever been to. There's so many fucking gears, so many wheels. Oh, yeah. All these clockwork fucking organs and bands, mechanical bands just spinning on. It's the coolest shit ever. I love me a clock. Yeah, clocks are fucking awesome. I'm just saying I'm pro clock here. Oh, I'm very pro clock. All right. But they're like kind of new. They only really got widely popular in 14th century Europe. Same time that like hourglasses became popular. But up until then, we were using a, a lot of water clocks. Mm. Like water towers where water would pass through different passages depending on where the sky is. Wait, what? Depending on where the sky is? I don't know. How do water clocks work? I have no idea. And it's just, at, at uh, what intervals did it pass? It's just a timepiece by which time is measured by the regulated flow of liquid into, into or out from a vessel where the amount is then measured. So however you want to do that. So it's just determined by when the water flows, basically. It's just a cup with a hole in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, how do you measure time with an hourglass? I don't know. You you don't know exactly how much time has passed, but it's when the hourglass is done. Yeah, it's the right. You no, know, yeah, that's the water clock. It's one it's one hourglass. Also candle 
clocks were kind of, they would like divot candles to sort of mark passages of time. Like when the candle reaches this point, blow it out and do this activity, Mm. light it again. Then when it reaches this other point, it's time for this other activity. So like that was another way of measuring time. And of course, with the sun, the moon, the stars, like all of that stuff, that was sun time, sky time. And then clock time came and clock time is different than sky time. Clock time is different. Yes. Like, mm, yeah, yeah, all those other means of measuring time are all much more fluid. Yes. And full of motion. Yeah. Today we have to be on more of a rigid schedule. A jerky schedule, at least. Yeah. So according to clock time, we have inconsistent days depending on the seasons. And then we also have all these weird herky jerky like. Unless you're on the equator, then it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But. You know, for but our it's daily not universal. lives. No, it's not. Yeah. None of these ways are universal. No. The water clock's probably the most. Yeah. But at the same time, you're still relying on who made the jar, who made right. the, like it's everyone's I mean, going to be different. Even the calendar differs, like what year it is differs on like what country and culture you're right. in. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of people on this earth right now who don't think it's the same year as you. Yeah. They measure time oh. completely differently. Yeah. There's like a few different systems running around. Right. Yeah, which then makes you think about time being more slippery than it seems, because all these different people living on Earth just have a different idea about what year it is, what month it is. Like, we've got different conceptions mm-hmm. of time. Yeah. And, like, even though our clocks are super precise now, like, using atomic decay from Greenwich fucking England, <clears throat> um, that's still just an agreed-upon measurement, just like a water clock or whatever. Just, right. It's just global which means that it's just all the people who agreed to use it. It's yeah. the same thing. So whatever the definition of time is, I found that um, time definitely passes differently depending on my mood. Like, yeah. depending on the task at hand or the company I'm sharing, like if I'm at home waiting for something to happen, like for a friend to arrive or for dinner to finish cooking in the oven, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to like try to fast forward that 45 minutes because I hate being in that waiting limbo where I'm waiting for something to happen and I'm just bored. You know, I'm going to throw on some music, work on my music, practice singing, like bring up Ableton, work on some beats. That makes time go so fast for me. Yes. Like I can get easily lost in that. (laughs) And all of a sudden an hour has passed. Dude, music production is. Yeah, that's. It's a way to fast forward time. That's why I don't do it as much as I should, because it just sucks hours. <laughs> it it's does. the only thing I can do for 12 hours straight without yeah. stopping. Yep. And then when, <laughs> when I'm doing a task that I don't like doing, like um, folding laundry, doing dishes, I'm going to balance that with something that I do enjoy doing, like listening to a podcast or putting on a YouTube video, because then all of a sudden my focus is on the thing that I'm enjoying rather than the task that maybe I'm I'm not enjoying as much. Yes. And that helps it to go by a little faster. So I, I've had to like find ways to <laughs> trick my brain because guess what? Time contraction and time blindness are very common mm-hmm. in neurodivergent individuals in particular, people with ADHD. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yep. Because of uh, differences and deficiencies in temporal lobe processing abilities, mm. people with ADHD find it very difficult to perceive time accurately. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long it takes to do tasks, which is why I freak the fuck out every week about not having enough time to write an episode, even though I get it done every time with time to spare. Hey, dude, I do the same shit. Every single, every single single fucking time. I freak out. (laughs) But realistically, I have more free time than most people. 
So why do I get so stressed? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's this bullshit because it is bullshit. (laughs) So there was this one study where um, children with ADHD either overestimated the amount of time that had passed, like a 10 minute task. They would guess that it had taken 20 minutes. So double the amount of time or minimize the amount of time had passed to a much greater extent than the control subjects. So that's just a thing. Yes. Where certain people just have trouble judging how much time has passed, how long things are going to take. Yeah. And I'm very guilty of that. Straight up meditation is great at uh, helping with that. Yep. Also, not for nothing, keeping this in mind during the episode, absence seizures do exist. And, oh, yeah. And cause people to forget chunks of time as if yep. they never even happened. Yep. That's a real type of seizure. <laughs> like that also it happens. Yeah. Not to like explain away every single case of missing time with, oh, it was just an absence seizure, especially if two people were there. But that's a real ass thing. It is. Yeah. And it's something that you got to you got to acknowledge it when you're talking about this stuff, mm-hmm. because different people perceive time differently. And that's just something we need to keep in mind. Yes. Like not everything's explained away by neurology, but I I looked for for two instances of time alterations that maybe aren't so cut and dry that beg for perhaps a more complex answer than, oh, they probably just fell asleep. So um, finally, let's pull our tarot card. <laughs> yeah, I got a I got verbose during that that intro. Well, we had quite a bit to go over. So we're going to pull this tarot card, talk about it at the end. You know, what we this episode is going to come out um, at the beginning of the year, but this is the last episode we're recording before we take our our vacation for a week. So if my ends are as frayed as they get, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm afraid. I need a vacation. It's the end of the year. Yeah. We got the Hierophant. The Hierophant. Ooh. We've never oh. pulled that one. Oh, I love it. I love it. We have never pulled that one. Wow. I fucking love it so much. That's such a great card. Oh, I'm excited. That's great. Very interesting for time. That's, oh, that's fun. Beat the clock. Try to make it stop before time can draw the line and put you down to her side. That track's sick. I don't think I've ever heard it before. I hadn't either, and I found it this week, and it's I really fucking, liked it. It's fucking so good. Is that Bell's a pop? Uh, Madeline Bell beat the clock. 
Yeah. It's fuck, a good one. Fuck yeah. So um, I found this story on Reddit, the first one. After combing through, you have no idea how many fucking stories I read to find the juicy good ones. There's, and this one was the best one. There's a lot of dried figs out there. Yeah. This this one was the the best example that I found because um, it's got fog in it. Mm, it was and good. Like, I noticed that there's a lot of missing time stories that involve fog. In huh. fact, there's this whole book by Jenny Randall's called Time Storms, where it talks about, like, these experiences that involve fog. It, like, hmm. And also takes place in a car, which is another thing that I noticed about almost all of the stories that I read. Yeah, yeah. Is people losing time during car rides, which is... As someone pointed out on Twitter, one of the most liminal spaces that there is. A car? Yes. You know? It pretty much doesn't exist for any other reason except to take you from point A to point B. You're never just in it to hang out in it. It's just a thing that takes you other places. Unless you're a teenager smoking weed. That too. Yeah. Then it's a it's a joyride. It's another kind of liminal space. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah, because the I have I have thoughts about the word liminal. Uh-huh. It's used loosely. Loosely, yes. Yeah. But there, mm, it's an interesting thing because there's a lot of, sim- there's a ton of symbolism to both fog and cars. Yeah. And that shit, and, right? And also the distortion of time in relation to those things. Yeah. Because I know that I used to be a smoker. I would never smoke like five cigarettes in an hour, like regularly. But if I'm in a car, fucking I fucking will. Drilling cigarettes. Just oh, yeah. Drilling cigarettes. Something about car time oh. function differently. Dude, Marlboro Red. Yeah. Fucking six lane blacktop. <laughs> yeah. God damn. I was a kid <laughs> crush girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I liked the pop. I liked popping it. Yeah. I, I don't like the Marlboro Red. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a Marlboro Red man. Yep. But so you know what I mean. Car time passes differently. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. Yep. Yeah, why don't you take the reins and uh, be be our narrator? I'll narrate, yeah. The story is called The Fog Distorted Time. I feel like I've just started doing my my fucking, uh, what's, what's his name? I'll try to make this as short as possible. That, that fucking, what the fuck is that actor's name? He was on The Simpsons. He got killed by his wife. He was doing a bunch of cocaine with Andy. Oh, wow, 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 wow. The guy, Phil Hartman. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm only just doing my like Phil Hartman ripoff voice for characters now. I got to come up with better ones, but it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to make this as short as possible. It happened five years ago. I'd been at the hospital the entire day with my 10-year-old daughter. My stepdad was dying and only had a couple of days to live. And it was 10.40 p.m. when my mom said, Son, it's almost 11. Go home and get some sleep. I'll see you in the morning. I told everybody goodbye and headed for the parking garage. As I pulled out of the parking garage, I grabbed my phone to call my wife and let her know that I was leaving and noticed it was exactly 11 p.m. I want to note that the hospital is 58 miles away and almost exactly an hour from my home. I've been down that two-lane highway a million times in my life. I live in southern Illinois and it's the fastest way to get to Kentucky where the hospital is. The first half of the drive is fairly flat and then it's constant hills once you get to the Shawnee National Forest. It's extremely rural, with no streetlights, stop signs, or traffic lights the whole way, except one highway you drive over with a streetlight on the east side of the road, which is almost halfway to my house from the hospital. So me and my daughter are driving over the Ohio River when I realize I really have to piss. 
with no gas stations or businesses for 55 miles, I decide the worst case scenario, I'll hold it until the halfway point with the streetlight. About 10 minutes into the trip, I'm driving through a very straight section of highway with cornfields on both sides. A really dense fog comes out of the east cornfield and completely covers everything. It was like driving through a tunnel. You can't see anything except forward. Because it was deer season, I wanted to be cautious, so I had my daughter sitting up and looking for deer from her side of the road, just in case. Another 20 minutes or so, this really strong feeling came over me. It was pure confusion and panic. I felt lost. I realized that I should have been to the streetlight by now, but I hadn't even made it to the hilly parts of the road yet. So I asked my daughter if she's seen any lights on the side of the road. No. Have you seen any other cars? No. I haven't even seen any other houses. I told her we just couldn't see them because of the fog and kept driving. I didn't want her to be freaked out, like me. I was probably comforting myself a little too. I realized we're at least 45 minutes into this trip. We haven't seen any cars or lights, and the road has been straight this entire time. So we must be lost. I pick up the phone to call my wife when the fog suddenly breaks and my confusion goes through the roof. I realize we are just outside a small town about 10 to 15 minutes from my house. While the town is on the way home, we never went up a single hill or around a curve. One curve on the way is almost 90 degrees and the speed limit around it is 45 miles per hour, so there is no way to miss it. I spent the last 10 minutes driving home trying to rationalize what just happened. The scariest explanation I had came on, came to, I had, mm-hmm. the scariest explanation I had come to was I fell asleep and somehow managed to drive 45 miles up and down steep hills and around sharp curves with my daughter in the car next to me. As bad as that made me feel, it gave me some kind of relief because it gave me an explanation of what just happened. That all changed once I got home. I parked the car, got the kiddo and her stuff, and was walking in the door to tell my wife sorry it took so long. Except when we walked in the door, she had a shocked look on her face. How'd you get here so fast? Thinking she was being a smart ass, I said, Sorry, it was a weird drive. There was really bad fog. I couldn't see anything most of the way. That's why it took so long. What do you mean it took so long? I just talked to you on the phone 20 minutes ago when you called and said you were leaving. That was an hour ago. I called you at 11 o'clock. Babe, I know, but it's 11.20. I looked at the clock, and it was in fact 11.20. I checked my phone. 11.20. Went to the kitchen, checked the stove. 11.20. I checked my phone again, and I did call her at 11. I was freaked out, so I pulled her aside and quietly explained to her what happened so my daughter didn't hear anything. We couldn't come up with any explanation, so we went to sleep because I had to be back at the hospital as early as possible. We never spoke about it again. We just forgot about it overnight. I didn't even remember it happening the next day. Just about a week ago, it all changed again. I was telling my wife about a comment I read on Reddit about a girl and her parents road tripping and coming home and coming upon some dense fog. They were lost and stopped at a weird gas station they'd never seen before. Some weird guy there just kept telling them to leave. Something about the story seemed really familiar to me. Out of nowhere, my daughter says, Dad, that reminds me of the creepy fog we drove through when Papa was in the hospital. I asked her what fog, and as she was telling me in detail what happened, how she was scared because of how freaked out it looked, it all just came to me. I remembered everything, which really freaked me out that I had forgotten what happened, then it all just came back to me all at once. We talked about it, and we both remembered it the same way. The only exception being she told me the look on my face scared her because she knew something was wrong when I thought I played the tough, fearless dad role to a T. Okay. I know it happened three years ago, but since I forgot about it somehow, I've only had a week to analyze it. The only things I have ruled out was the time changing. Where I live and where the hospital is are both in the same time zone. I honestly have no explanation for what happened, but I've thought about it every day since I remembered it a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. So. um... Oh, that dude writes in a way that melts my head. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's not a writer, which honestly lends more credibility to the story. It, You know, is that okay? It does. Because at first I was like. He's not a good writer at all. It's fucking bad. It it reads like like a Southern Illinois dad 
who browses Reddit that's right, and it's not his own story. It's not a fucking a lot of times. Yeah, no, this is hard to read in a legitimate way. Yes, <laughs> it's not a put on. Yeah, it's not someone trying to convey their ideas because they'd fuck it up in other ways. They'd get other grammar wrong, but they'd make sure the fucking idea still yeah. came across. He probably talks exactly like he. It's writes. exactly how he talks. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, weird. So, like that—that's so an important point, though. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets home sooner than he expected, even though, like, when he looked at the clock, you know, he's like, "I've been driving for forty-five minutes. Okay, now it's going to be another fifteen minutes home. Now that the fog is cleared up and I'm at that town." But then he gets home, and it's only been twenty minutes. That's weird. Yep. Yeah. And I found so many cases of people arriving places sooner than they should have. I mean, here's the thing, dude. You're looking at one of those cases. Yeah. I've had the exact same thing happen to me. Yeah. I mean, I've always just chalked it up to being a couple stoned kids. Right. Like, but it's, I mean, it's a drive that takes 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. And like a, a solid 40. You know what I mean? It's like three towns, a distance of like three towns and shit. Yeah. Right. It's a solid 40 year. A bunch of us all stoned trying not to get arrested because we were teenagers and weed was still illegal. Yeah. Oh, those were the days. So like driving the speed limit and like doing everything professionally, 20 minutes. And it was on a foggy old fucking night. So like it's, I've never attributed anything paranormal to that other than how it felt when we were stoned. Yeah. I still don't. Right. But I have experienced that phenomenon. Yeah. To me, it's almost um, more creepy when people like gain time rather than lose time. You know, when people get somewhere like way sooner than they should have. Yes. Because I feel like it's less easy to explain away. Yeah. 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 It is. No, you're right about that. Yeah. Like that's not an absence seizure. Right. Yeah. Hmm. At the same time, though, the cl- the first clock could have been wrong. Like there's a lot of, you that's know what I mean? True. Like the clocks he saw at the fucking hospital and shit could have been wrong. Right. Maybe he thought he looked at a clock. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he looked at one clock. It was wrong. Thought you looked at a bunch of different ones. Although the wife did say you got there that fast, you know, it's. And mm. then he checked his phone and the call went out at 11. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the, if the yeah. shit he's saying is true, that's if odd. If it's true, then, then I thought that this is, this is a good one. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, I, I was, I was thinking like, why, why wouldn't he just take a piss? Yeah. Maybe right. the, I mean, maybe the shoulders narrow, maybe people drive like fucking maniacs. He's got a daughter in the car. Right. You know, that could be. Um, uh, okay, so I did take a road trip driving through Kansas, and I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you right now, people there do drive like fucking maniacs. Yeah, word. <laughs> yeah. It was very notable. Yeah, and maybe there's like corn right on the side of the damn road. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. And also like telling his daughter to look, keep a lookout for deer too. I would never tell a child to do that. I wouldn't trust him to, to not give me false alarms all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was odd, but yeah, if it was written better or like... Like a 10 year old's pretty smart. Yeah, but I still wouldn't. Right. I'd be, I'd be afraid to give me a false alarm or like fuck it up somehow. I don't know other kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if it wasn't written the way it was, I would chalk it all up to creative writing. Yep. But it's written so genuinely bad that if it is a put on, I'm still going to give it to him because no one do- goes through that effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also interesting that he like forgot about it. I mean, I guess, you know, probably his stepdad passing away is a high stress scenario. Yeah. And I mean, assuming true and assuming whatever, uh, if it is the same phenomenon, even if it's just a psychological one that 
say I experienced or whatever, pretty easy to forget. Right. Like, it's like, that's fucking weird. But like, what do you do? There's, you know what I mean? There's no UFO hanging in the sky or whatever. So it's like, ah, that was fast. Yeah. All right. So I want to explore one absolutely crazy explanation that I found for, I don't know, like just weird shit happening in our reality, which this might fall under. Okay. So there's a paper from 2009 by an SLAC researcher. What's SLAC? The uh, Stanford mm. Linear Accelerator Center. Oh, <laughs> it's a far more impressive acronym than I was expecting. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Um, called David Freiberger. And in this 2009 paper funded by the United States Department of Energy. Oh, very good. Um, very good. He built on his previous Department of Energy funded explanation of ball lightning Ooh. from 1994 by uh, realizing that it must be possible from generalized Maxwell equations to create vacuum currents in the Dirac Sea. Yeah, those are words. That are not dependent on ordinary matter, yes. So the Dirac Sea, what the fuck is that? (laughs) It's a theoretical model of the vacuum. Okay. The vacuum meaning spaces that are devoid of matter. Yes, space itself, nothing. Yeah, The real and true nothing. Emptiness. The Dirac Sea is a fucking badass name Uh, for that. yeah. It's a model of the vacuum as an infinite sea of particles with negative energy. So all of these negatively negative energy, like chilling together. Where is it? Um, yeah, right. So, so Freiberger, he's got this idea that ball lightning is created by these weird vacuum currents from the Dirac Sea, from the infinite uh, void. Wait, the, hold, hold the fuck on for a second. You're telling me. Hold the fuck on for a goddamn second here. Because you're telling me that there's a 2009 paper from a Stanford Association uh, Associated Accelerator. What's the last word of that one? Center? Accelerator Center? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Talking about some Lovecraft-ass sounding Barak C, which is like essentially... Beyond the veil, the other side of the, where the negative charged particles live. Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. What the fuck? Yeah. So um, Freiberger's papers expand on many of the anomalous properties that Kenneth Radford's shoulders ascribe to what he calls exotic vacuum objects. Mm. So we're going to get to know uh, Kenny Shoulders now. It's a bullshit name. Yes. Kenneth R. Shoulders. That's such a stupid name. <laughs> I'm sitting in such a weird position right now because this is fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would. That's why I had to oh, oh, oh. I'm like, this is this is perhaps tangentially related, but I'm going to shoehorn it in. <laughs> yeah, we're shoehorning this shit in. Fuck yeah. This is great. Kenny Shoulders was a researcher for MIT. Okay. Until he landed a job at SRI, where he <laughs> founded their microelectronics program. Um <laughs> Not liking all the traffic that he experienced on the way to work, he dreamed up the gyrodyne convertiplane. Fuck you. Across a car, a helicopter, and an airplane. Wait a minute. And he basically dedicated like this entire portion of his life to fucking please look it up. Please look up. It's just got stupid again. (laughs) Oh, so much money went into this. Like this was a big deal. And then... It was also a big deal, like people working to ban it from happening. Oh, God. The gyrodyne convertiplane. Oh, God. What? 
This Jetsons ass shit. Yep. <sighs> a lot of people gave him a lot of money to work on that. And what's the point? The fucking traffic is bad in LA. It's, it's, why not just helicopter though? Was this before like the, the helicopter? Right, I don't know. There's this fucking around. What is this? <laughs> it's pure ridiculousness. Why do I trust this I, guy to tell me that about that fucking time loops in the Dirac Sea? Yeah. I could have done a whole fucking episode just on Kenneth's shoulders and his weird like car plane adventures, but I can't. Okay. So he spends like, you know, a, a good decade or more pitching his flying car, working on it more than a decade. At, you know, meanwhile, Hal put off mm. a friend and physicist at SRI. This this is about to make. He begins this a bizarre project funded by the CIA. He does a lot of that. So we know Hal put off. How do we know him? Hal put off was the first scientist at the uh, remote viewing program, the, C- the SRI uh, psychic program. Yep. That is often colloquially referred to as Stargate. We did a big series on that. It's one of my favorite topics. Yes. I hate when Hal Putoff embarrasses me like this, though, because he does it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he does it a fucking lot. Yeah. So, yeah, just like, you know, that that's what Hal Putoff does and is known for. And yeah. I mean, he's also a laser scientist. Like, yeah. he's also done a lot he's of also shit. also a ton of other things. He's also, a, <laughs> he's deep in the shit. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So, um, unfortunately for Kenneth's shoulders, the converter plane was a... It never took off. It never took off. Yeah. Yeah. Fate, it doesn't. Fate has other things in mind. It doesn't look like it would. Okay. So in 1976, right? Yeah. Kenneth Shoulders goes to see Hal put off at SRI because they're friends. Yeah. He's looking for more funding for more convertiplane shit. So he goes and asks the psychics. Yeah. You guys got any money to well, spare? Yes. No. As luck would have it, put off had just gotten done talking with his friend, uh, Bill Church. Oh, yes. The owner and CEO of Church's Fried Chicken. Yes, the chicken magnate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. See, Church had told Putoff uh, he had a recent dream where a flying saucer had landed and and out of the flying saucer walked a guy with remarkably large shoulders. So, of course, <laughs> of course, that must have been a reference to Kenneth's shoulders. So Putoff gets off the phone with Church on this one fateful day. And as soon as he hangs up the phone... With Bill Church, in walks Kenneth Shoulders. In walks Mr. Shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Says, hey, I need some money. And of course, this seems like prophetic to Hal Putoff. Like, this seems very <laughs> synchronistic. Yeah. Shoulders, shoulders, you know. So Putoff calls back Church immediately and is like, listen, I just saw a guy with big shoulders named Ken Shoulders. <laughs> we should fund his project. So they set up a meeting and... um how fucked up is it that this whole scene, goddamn Ingo Swan, is the only one with his head screwed on correctly? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> the only one that knows what's going on here. Yeah. Kenneth Shoulders, he's usually not a big fan of, of business dudes, but he's very charmed by Bill Church. And he loves fried chicken. Yeah. And, you know, Kenneth Shoulders, he's also looking into shit having to do with, like, he thinks he can figure out cold fusion He's looking into different types of like uh, nuclear energy, alternate energy sources. There's one thing Hal Putoff loves throwing money at. It's free energy. Yep. So, yeah, that's how uh, that's how Kenny Shoulders gets his funding. OK. Is because he wants to look into free energy. Yeah. So they arrange this agreement where um, 
Bill Church is just going to finance Ken Shoulders. Just pay him a salary, pay him to open up a lab, and he's just going to experiment in that lab doing whatever it is he wants to do. Oh, boy. (laughs) So after a decade of working in California, like doing this whole Kenneth Shoulders is running his lab and he's getting funded, blah, blah, blah. Let's all just get together and start a company, right? Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. So Jupiter Technologies is born. Yep. They hire a staff of scientists, technicians, and soon Shoulders is designing a number of microelectronics for the market. That's because uh, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of this like referenced in a lot of our research, but haven't had, had it like fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm so fucking fascinated by all these people. (laughs) Yeah. So working for Jupiter Technologies, he's also doing a bunch of experimental physics projects and just like observing a bunch of crazy shit. There's this thing uh, called the Hutchison effect. Let me look up what it's called. A lot of people think that it's just a hoax. It's pseudoscience. Sure. Well, fucking put off is now like he's wrapped up in this goddamn... Definitely bullshit thing called like the Sapphire Project, which is like based on the electric universe theory and shit, which is just not true. Mm-hmm. Not anything. Right. Um, so like put off's weird, man. He's 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 an odd he's an odd duck. Right. So like this could all be absolutely nothing. But because of all of these weird physics things that Kenny Shoulders is is seeing, weird like anti-gravitational things he's he dubs his findings um exotic vacuum objects and he describes an evo an exotic vacuum object as a a cluster of electrons that channels energy though the source of that energy is uncertain he believed that he had used the electrons energy to melt microscopic holes in various materials that he could like basically disappear things so yeah, these EVOs are compact groups of millions of electrons that basically defy um, physics as we know it because electrons shouldn't be able to just like because they're, be all together. They they're negatively repel. charged. Yeah, yeah, they should exert each other. Yeah. But it, it appears that this can exist. There can be groups of electrons. All right, shoulders. And they're not even that difficult to create mm. if you know how. And he does. I'm sure. Yeah. So... Now, one thing I was just thinking about is that, like, you know, a lot of times, especially like during the Cold War, yeah, like we know, we know, put off, you know, worked at SRI. He also he worked for the NSA before that, right? He's in with fucking, you know, the military intelligence community and shit. It's always been an odd thing that a dude who's clearly involved with the spooky side of government would be involved in so much obviously dumb shit, right? Yeah. The fucking thing is that. A lot of this happened during the Cold War, mm-hmm. right? And the same shit happens now, but during the Cold War, it was kind of a time period known for disinformation and and stories around projects to cover something up and shit, mm-hmm. right? It's probably just simply true that a lot of the stories of the dumb shit that Putoff was involved in were hiding something else. Yeah. And probably something a lot less dumb sounding, but probably in a similar vein to because the cover story would have to be kind of similar enough to catch any runoff, right? Yeah. Any, uh, any leaks mm-hmm. in, in the story, right? It's, I don't know. It's just like, I, I feel like we have to treat a lot of the stories around these guys as like almost dreams or adaptations of, yes. of, of real life. Yeah. Yeah. Not it's, as, um, real events. 
I'm, I'm biased towards the remote viewing program just because I'm biased towards psychic phenomenon in, in general. Uh-huh. Uh, but it is important to keep in mind. Yeah. So um, these these little clusters. The clusters. Of, of electrons. The exotic vacuum objects. Yeah. Yeah. They're very exotic. Um, they're very exotic to mainstream science. But they also... So kind of shoulders. He's a very spiritual guy, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Of course. <laughs> He, he considers uh, these EVOs as a way of connecting to the most fundamental and universal element of existence, the aether. Okay. The ether. Yes. He also called it the potentum. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Which was a... Yeah. That's a word for it. That's a word. So whatever name you give it, it's a part of the universe that is, you know, loaded with energy and, I don't know, energy information whatever is over there energy we, yeah, yeah we don't know how to tap into it but maybe we do maybe we can if you maybe maybe a lot of people do actually accidentally all the time maybe we're constantly tapping into this place indeed and these uh exotic vacuum objects maybe those are sort of like these connecting links or channels through which we can access the aether i wonder would they be a because mm, if electrons repel each other then the clumped electron should be a s- symptom of the thing rather than it's not that the group of electrons acts as like a magic bullet that rips a hole in reality or maybe it does but like it's so above my head yeah we can get this we can get this we'll have, we'll have a bunch of all of them by the end of this yeah so do you want to read what ken says about it yeah it's a ken considers it a kind of universal clutch as it clutches the basic fabric of the universe by, by biasing the medium with a dense asymmetrical charge distribution. Whatever that means. Yeah, it just it's, a, it's wrapped all around us, I guess. An exotic vacuum object. It's a thing, because you can certainly see it, fool with it, mess with it, make it do things. It does things for you. So it's a thing, for sure, an object. An exotic vacuum actually is a real-world word. It's a state of the universe, I'd call it, called the vacuum. It's a substrate that everything is performed on in principle. Hmm. I mean, oh, I got a lot of thoughts. Yeah. So um, one of the papers that Kenny Shoulders has is titled UFOs and EVOs. Yeah. And I thought. That's from 2008. That might be interesting to um, take a look at. Yeah. You fucking bait and switched me with this time time story. I didn't mean to either. (laughs) It just happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, in this paper, UFOs and EVOs by Ken Shoulders, um, he says that this paper, it was unexpected for him to write this paper because he's not a UFO guy, but he's been talking to some people that are interested in a recent association with a group seeking to construct a UFO type of vehicle, he says. It's apropos to document some of the correlations, some of the correlations he finds between his observed EVOs and the UFOs that he's just kind of now getting introduced to in 2008. So that's interesting. He says, this isn't like a peer-reviewed paper. He says, this writing exercise is therefore intended primarily as a precursor for discussions with the resident specialists on UFO behavior in this newly formed group or any related physics group with an interest in possible interactions between UFO and EVO technologies. Interesting. Very fucking interesting. Very fucking interesting. So Um, then he goes on to talk about like what might happen if you enshrouded an ordinary structure in like a blanket of EVOs, like what the application of that might be. Yeah. 
Yeah, it would cause a form of instant weightlessness. Yeah, because it's almost like you, like the fabric of reality is pushing these things together, like it's folding. Right. So if you wrapped that around something or someone, then it wouldn't have to obey the laws of physics anymore. Right. Oh, I can like almost visualize it. It's right there, but it'll drive yeah. me into madness. What I'm imagining is like a, a tiny little like like web of hexagons or something. That yeah. Are like super teeny tiny, like sort of like. Yeah, just kind of. Yeah. Little twisting, twisting reality. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oof. I mean, it's also like it's weird because I can. I can't wait for someone to tell us this is just a complete hoax because this is like. Oh, I'm sure it is. But I'm sure not. it is. But it's also like putting sh- some shit together for me, right? Yeah. Now, uh, um, has been under our noses this entire time. Also, this idea that it could potentially like be used for um, cloaking. Yeah. You know, like this, if if real. If real, big if true. If real, big if true. If this technology could be used at some point in the future, it would probably be similar to what's used like for invisibility cloaking or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when entering or leaving the vehicle, the portal would seem to be normal in every way, as the transition from one region to space of space to another would be through a mild enough gradient to be safe. A large opening in the EVO shield essentially provides this mild gradient. This, that's a weird thing to say. The surface of this vehicle would feel bumpy from within due to the gravitational variations of the EVO if the EVO containing sheet were rough. Huh. Large reasons of shroud emission would give the effect of suck holes, whereby the increased gravity from the outside would exert a friction force. Under such conditions, there is danger of getting sucked out of a large hole into the exterior region of the EVO shroud. Oh, no. That's not good. You don't want that. You definitely don't want that. You fuck. Is it worth it? At this point, I cannot see any overwhelming difficulty with being caught half in and half out of the shrouded region except for the tensile, tensile force provided by gravity in whatever region you find yourself. For all intent and purposes, this can't be considered a mild form. This can be considered a mild form of black hole. Beware of this effect when operating your near Jupiter control. What the fuck? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is some shit. I just had to like this is the only time we, we get to we're gonna get together. We don't record a bonus episode this yeah. Sunday, so have fun. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, how does the fuck is this? Where the fuck Man? You know what's weird? I don't remember how I found out about this. I mean, who are these UFO guys? Who are the building UFO? They could be nobodies. The, the, the problem. Let's get back to the story. Talk about this later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. Portal one, like fucking, it's craziness. <laughs> you know how I put off loves this stupid song. This is like how I put off's favorite song. Yeah. talk about Whitley Strieber now. <laughs> We're just getting whipped around in all directions today. I don't even know what to call this episode. I'll figure something out.
time anomalies. I don't know. It's not, though. We did one time anomaly story. We're doing another one. Okay. So Whitley Strebert, we just got to like say a little bit about who he is if we're going to tell one of the stories out of communion. Yeah. Whitley Strebert is one of the most famous UFO contactees ever. Mm-hmm. He's known for communion. Yep. A communion. Uh, he's been very vocal as podcast. I mean, he's a, he's a very anyone who knows UFOs knows Whitley Strieber. If you don't know UFOs, like very easy to find out who he is. Yeah, I like that. Um, that he he calls what he experiences visitors. Yeah, I find I, that interesting, and also his conception of them that the uh, the visitors are they're physically real, but they also function on a non physical level. Then and like that non-physical level in which they function yeah. is probably their primary reality, not this one. We're just sort of observing them phase into right. this one. Um, but they have a whole life separate from us, you know? Like we're not they're not just sh- maybe showing ourselves themselves to us specifically to you. Yeah. Because it's it's super personal all about you. Maybe you're just observing them as they're going about their business. It's fucking Faye. It's it's all that like it's Yeah. Yeah. He's got this idea that also these visitors can, you know, somehow enter the human mind, affect people's thoughts. Uh, they've shown him that he has a soul that can separate from his body and that um, they also communicate with him in this very symbolic manner where, like, they'll put these screen memories over what really That's happened. right. Yeah. I, I have to confess I've never read any of Whitley Streeper's books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my list. So I'm I'm certainly not I don't know too much about his story other than. Well, we're going to learn a little the base, bit now. The base levels. Um, one of the things that he was afraid of as a kid, Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut? Yeah. He remembers being terrified as a little boy by an appearance of Mr. Peanut. The Peanut? Yeah. That? Yeah. He okay. says that he was menaced by him <laughs> at, at a parade in San Antonio. That was man in a costume, but I understand. But, well, now he thinks that that never even happened. Hmm. That he'd only ever saw Mr. Peanut on the planter's can of peanuts. And that all of the, this idea of being so scared of Mr. Peanut, it was just a screen memory for something else. It's kind of convoluted. A repressed memory. No, I can see it. But I can, yeah, I can see it too. Crossed a wire. Yeah. Yeah. Projected the thing he didn't want to remember onto this symbol. Mm-hmm. And then when that thing he didn't want to remember was psychically attacking or causing problems in parts of his memory he couldn't access, he just Mr. saw Peanut Mr. Peanut. Pop up. Yeah. It does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tulpa. Mm. So Strieber suggests that right now we may be in a process of evolving past the level of superstition and confusion that has, in the past, blocked us from perceiving the visitors correctly. So right now, mm. maybe we're undergoing this process where more people are, are able to to see these visitors and have access to them. Yeah. But, hmm. I mean, we have seen them, though. If they're there, we have seen them. I was going to say, it's happened yeah. throughout time. Like, yeah. think about... It's the jinn. Shamanism. It's, it's the fae. It's, it's all that shit. accessing, like, plant spirits. Yeah, the other side. The yeah. Fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we've we've been visited and, and communing with the visitors for yeah, a if, lot longer than just right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's part of the... It's part of the thing. It's uh, like it reminds me of. I think it was like Blavatsky's, or if the Theosophist just took it from some Hindu shit. But uh, the idea of a, a second Earth that's etheric, that's just in the same place as this. It's just it's etheric. It's better, like, or just different. Yeah. Or like I don't know. Because I've been thinking a lot about the idea of um, the the physical world as like this like left brain 
like we have two the, the the you know the two hemispheres of our brain which might just be metaphoric at this point but like whatever it's still a thing that there's like the creative mind and the analytical numbers mm-hmm. right like the, the the world we live in seems to me like the left brain of reality there's time it's, it's you know mechanical it's it's fucking all this shit which yeah we're it wasn't quite in the past blah 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 but there's hard rules yeah in this in this world objects are objects time is time beginning end all that shit you know it's very saturnian uh very material whatever you get it but like then there's like the world of dreams and just this whole other side of existence and shit like what if there was like what if there's a whole side of reality that is just the pure un undifferent un unstructured potential unstructured fucking yeah unstructured potential like there is you just forget about it every morning yeah you, know, you spend like, like half your life asleep basically what what is it's not like just an illusion created in your brain but it's actually like a side of reality itself like without the need for any, like if humans weren't not here maybe maybe there still would be this i don't know mm-hmm. very it's just an idea i've been thinking about like the for for a while now and you dropped this shit on me yeah which it seems to like that evo shit fits very weirdly in with that yeah. And like, I think it about like, go- the, like where ghosts are and shit and mm-hmm. where the Fae is and shit. The place where time acts differently. Where do you go when you die? Like to the place where the whole time thing doesn't matter. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like to hamster land. To fucking hamster land, dude. Or the goblin universe. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's just so fucking wild to think about. Uh, we'll get back to the scientists. Back to Whitley. Yes. So Whitley has a list of some of the changes that um, abductees might undergo after a contact experience. Sure. What basically happens is that the witness's whole sense of reality explodes. People become psychic. They begin to believe that they can see into the future. They take spontaneous journeys through time. They begin to see vivid images in the region of the brain known in folklore as the third eye. They levitate. They believe that they can take on the appearance of alien forms for, a period, for periods of time. They acquire wisdom and new compassion. Their children become preternaturally brilliant. They take journeys out of the body. They become healers. They acquire relationships with the dead. They become deeply concerned with the welfare of the environment. Like, so if it if it wasn't right now in America and we were somewhere else in the world and someone else had all of these um, experiences after a contact with yeah. a visitor of some kind, be it an alien or a spirit or a a deity, what have you. Yes. Some people might consider this like an initiatory process, but it's just that I feel like in our culture, we have absolutely no frame of reference for an experience like that. Like when you, when you come face to face with something that is so not human, like you've experienced that on, on shrooms. Yeah. You know, psychedelics for sure. Yeah. So if someone has that experience without drugs, but gets their work done, you know, but they have no frame of reference for that experience as anything other than like you're crazy or it might be an alien. Right. Like then how did, how did, how does one integrate that in a purposeful way? Because I think that there isn't an opportunity for them to where someone can have a contact experience or have an abductee experience and have it not be a negative, crazy thing. That means that they're absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've been thinking for a while. I've been struggling to put into words. Like it's that it's the, they don't have the software installed on their operating system to face the spooky. Yeah. So it has to be 
integrated in the way that they've integrated everything else, which generally ends up looking like comic books and movies right? and all this shit, right? It's like, like I've known that dreams were fucking weird yeah. my entire life. And like, you know, growing up in, in, uh, with a not spiritual in like the capital S sense, but like a spiritual family and a spiritual upbringing, like thinking about like deeper things, I was like, yeah, dreams are a part of the mystery, right? right? A lot of people don't have that. Don't have that. Like they're, they're, I don't know. It's a lot of the fucking bad, crazy, bad paranormal shit might just be because of a cultural inability to Right. Integrate. I was going to say like, there's probably some people that like, you know, really strongly feel that they have the power to hear the spirits of the dead and like commune with the dead. Yeah. And if they're in like a Christian family, like a hardcore Christian family, and they're saying that shit, then you're you're going to the loony bin. Like you can't. Yeah, a lot of times you just press it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it comes out in other fucked up ways. Mm-hmm. But in a, a different culture, in a different family, that might be a celebrated gift. Sure. Like that might be an awesome thing. Yeah. Yeah. That you have a, a channel to the other side. Yes. Yeah, or, a diff- or a difficult thing or just a thing that's understood and accepted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a lot. It's, mm, there's so many tangents I want to go on on this episode. <laughs> we can. Tr- okay. Let's yeah. just keep going with Whitley, though. Yeah. So I don't know. I just wanted to like, I think that Whitley's view of what the phenomena is, is like, I don't know, just kind of interesting, kind of has experienced. It's, it's odd. Yeah. Yeah. He's an odd duck. Mm-hmm. He's an odd duck. He, uh, he, I, hmm, he's, he seems like he had genuine experience, but he also seems like a person who's, um, very sure of himself. Yeah. Often. Which makes me often needlessly. Yeah. 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 But it's also like, it's almost the same way that like that first story, I believe it's real because of how badly it's written. Mm-hmm. By the last week of August in 1967, I was attending the University of Texas and had just rented a new studio apartment. When I had an experience, I now understand to have been what is known as a missing time experience, lasting at least 24 hours. I had moved into the apartment the day before and was sitting on the couch about noon eating a TV dinner. Oh, when I was con- oh Whitley. <laughs> when I was confused to discover that the dinner seemed to have hopped from my lap onto the coffee table and gone cold. Now I wonder if there might not have been a period of missing time at that point. I remember getting up to reheat the food and noticing that it was already 2 p.m. I decided I had fallen asleep while eating. I put the TV dinner in the oven and turned on the timer to heat it for 15 minutes. Then I turned back to the oven to check the temperature setting. I was suddenly woozy, my mouth dry, and the sun was going down outside. The dinner was cold again, and I had and have no memory of the intervening hours that had passed. I got scared, deciding I had been the victim of blackouts and tried to make a phone call for help. There was something bad in that TV dinner. Yeah. He just kept like taking a bite and then immediately passing out. It's just a fucking K-hole. <laughs> it was midnight by the oven clock when I put my hand on the phone. There was no discontinuous memory at all. No sense of being unconscious. One moment the timer showed a little after six and the sky outside the kitchen window was glowing. Then I moved toward the phone and the timer showed midnight and the sky was black. It was exactly as if six hours had somehow passed in less than a second. I then began trying to make my way out of the dark apartment. I was terrified. I shook with fear, and I was so thirsty I could barely stand it. The next thing I knew, I was in front of the sink. The water was running and running into a full glass. My watch said 4.15. I rushed out the door of the apartment and found myself in the cool of the Texas pre-dawn. At this point, I remember something of awesome beauty taking place in the sky, which I later told friends must have been a display of the Perseid meteor shower, which was not active then, but had been in early August. I drove to an all-night restaurant called the Nighthawk on Guadalupe Street, 
and had a huge breakfast of toast, eggs, bacon, cereal, coffee, and at least six glasses of orange juice. Bam. Wow. When I described the singular 24 hours to Jim Knetka, who was good at coining words, he invented a name for my state. He called it a laconic trance. For years, we have laughed about the laconic trance, but I'm not laughing anymore. There's no evidence that I suffer from any malfunction of the brain, and I was as sane then as I am now. Some weeks later, there was a frightening sequel. I was lying in bed at my grandmother's house in San Antonio, reading Time Magazine. It was, ah, it was <laughs> Time Magazine. Time Magazine. It was late at night and I was about to go to sleep. In those days, I used to stay with my grandmother when I went to San Antonio because my brother, then a teenager, had effectively taken over my old room at home. Lying in the bed wide awake, I had an experience so strange and frightening that I remember it to this day with total clarity. I was suddenly transported back in time and back to Austin a few weeks earlier. Hmm. I leaped into my car and backed out of the apartment house parking lot. It was night and the windows of the car were closed. I couldn't see out at all. In fact, I could see nothing but the reflection of the inside of the car. I was so blind that I was forced to stop. Something approached the car. I was frightened to see, peering in the window with its face pressed almost to the glass, what seemed to be what seemed almost to be a demon with a narrow face and dark slanted eyes. It spoke to me in a high squeaky voice, and I remember saying that we couldn't leave the car out in the middle of the street. Then I found myself in an agonizing struggle. I was at once in the car fighting to keep driving away, but unable to overcome an urge to get out and go back into the apartment, while simultaneously fighting in the real world an overwhelming urge to get out of bed and rush outside. I lay on the bed, flopping like a fish. Then it ended. Contrary to my impression, I did not move an inch. The magazine was still propped up in my lap. I could see my grandmother in her bed in the room across the hall, reading quietly. This terrible nightmare had obviously not caused a stir. Long into the night, I lay with the light on. Toward dawn, I slept. I believe now that, that this was a nightmare memory of an attempt I made to escape whatever unearthly thing happened to me in my apartment in Austin. I was reliving an experience which at the time it happened was so unspeakably terrifying that I still don't recall the actual event, only the dream. There then began a pattern of, of running that has persisted in my life until the present. A few weeks later, I suddenly became obsessed with the notion of getting away from the University of Texas, out of the United States, of going wherever I could, as far away as possible. I fantasized about living in a nice little apartment in some enormous city. I wanted bustle and bright lights, not the sparse Texas landscape and the starry nights. Yeah. So, like, have you ever had a day like that where it's just has gone by and you're like, what the fuck did I even do today? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's totally. I also think carbon monoxide is probably. Yeah, right. Or like black mold. Black mold. I mean, fucking straight up carbon monoxide will straight up do that. Oh, yeah. 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 Lots of lots of dangerous shit will actually will do that totally yeah yeah you might have just been breathing in some bad fumes that's true but i don't know because like <laughs> who's to say at the same time willie streber does seem to be a person involved in the same world as all the spooks and how put-offs and shit right you know he you know he talks about like having the memories of being at that like special school yeah yeah which like I think Lavenda said that he found that school or something like that. It's like a legit thing. There, there's some there's some shit there. Like Streber's on people's people who talk to Streber tend to. I don't. know. He's odd. He's odd. He fits he into the. Whole, I don't. I honestly don't know yeah, what to think of I, him. I don't know. I don't when, know what to make of him or like his his authenticity. Or it at least seems that he's connected to. The same people that say they're building UFOs out of fucking yeah. extra vacuum objects yeah. somehow, right? He's part of that world. Mm-hmm. I think that if I went through um, my like buried memories and started to pick apart whether or not they had actually happened or if they were screen memories covering up something else that really happened, like 
I, I watch a lot of horror movies, a lot of sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Probably come up with uh, some pretty horrifying shit. Yeah. If I started really examining um, my memories like that. I mean. I don't think it would be accurate, but that's probably, you know, <laughs> come up with some creative things. Here's the thing, though, and I don't know if you meant to get too stuck on this this episode, but there's I, I do think that. All right, this is this is where I'm coming from for for all the folks at home. Yeah. I have a deep and pretty unshakable belief that things that have been referred to as psychic phenomena are real. Real as fuck. Real as what? Like weird shit happens with time. Yep. Right. People have dreamed the future. That's a fairly common thing. Um, if you've ever had it happen to you, you know that it's pretty fucking undeniable when it happens. Time's weird. We already established that the way we think of it, the era of time was saying it's kind of an invented thing. It's pretty shaky. It's um, it's odd. You can't really pin it down, right? Yeah. And to me, because time and space are necessarily connected, they're the same thing. If the experience of time in a linear fashion is an, is an illusion, I kind of feel, and someone tell me if I'm wrong, that if that's true, then the experience of geometry in a Euclidean fashion must also be an illusion. Mm-hmm. If the experience of space in the way we experience it must then also be an illusion. If the experience of time, the way we experience it is an illusion. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or at least limited. Yeah. Right. Of course it is. Right. So if there's a way to, if there's a component of consciousness that connects to the physical space outside of time. Yes. To the physical, very real reality of that doesn't take our bullshit views on time and space into account, mm-hmm. which it could sense. Ether, the void. Yeah. Place where EVOs live. Right. Which might just be reality if our brains lock this one in for us yeah. by limiting us, right? Therefore, it's pretty easy for me to imagine a technological or scientific way of tapping into that. Mm-hmm. A machine that'll do it. A technique yeah. that'll do it. We know that's what a dude we need to cover more in depth, Itzhak Bentov. That's what his, uh, wh- he, he's, he's the dude who was leaned on pretty heavily in that paper about the gateway program, about uh, the Monroe Institute and shit from the CIA reading room. Is this uh, Israeli American scientist who died in a plane crash, but he had a very f- physical understanding, very mechanistic understanding of what had been termed like the Kundalini force, all this shit that had to do with vibrations and vibrating fucking spinal fluid to activate the brain in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. That was kind of his whole his whole jam to him. Uh, it, it, he also invented the like robot catheter or something, some type of catheter. Yeah. And, cool. <laughs> and instant spaghetti, too, I think um, these guys just be making stuff. man. Yeah. What if all of this, all of this goofy fucking stories about how put off and about all these other guys who are in that program and shit? Like, what if that is a cover? What if that is a cover? Why would it be a cover for? Because it's definitely more likely to be a cover than these guys are idiots, right? Uh-huh. What if it's all real, that all is a cover, but like the reality of it is this, it has something to do with that. I swear to fucking God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it, could, it has something to do with just reaching to the place where time and space don't exist in this way anymore. Yeah. And I bet it's pretty fucking simple once you do it. To tap into infinity? Yeah. Yeah. And then once you do, you can make all sorts of weird fucking weapons out of it. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You can do sort all sorts of shit like, oh, some dude driving down there. He wants to see if that fucking uh, 
that uh that that time clicker gun works, zap him. And he gets zapped and he goes fast, goes home fucking 40 minutes faster than he should. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm definitely not opposed to the idea. I'm just rambling. I got a lot of things to think about here. It's really fun to think about like different reasons why that could explain why people have these jumps and skips and abnormalities in their perception of time. And it's not even at this point, it's not even their perception if they, you know, if they have witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Whitley and his TV dinner, he's laying on the bed flopping like a fish. In this story, I do think he might have been suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. His grandmother. It's visiting grandma. It's an odd thing. I mean, Whitley's just odd. It's hard to... Yeah, right? <laughs> Gosh. So that's what I have for this episode. It's an interesting episode. I don't know what I'm going to title it. We went all over the place. Yeah. Well, I... Mm. And yet not really. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to lo- I want to learn more about these EVOs. Yeah. Because the thing was, like, I, I I was I started to think, once you mentioned all that, I it's all I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was like, it'd be very easy to say that goddamn Kenny Shoulders is, um, you know, a crazy man. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to make a helicopter. But let's not forget that he referenced um, a 2009 paper by a, another Stanford associate researcher. Yes. David Freiberger. Uh-huh. Right? And that's, to me, is the is the really interesting thing. Because, like, sure. Kenny Shoulders could be an idiot. He's had an idiot name. You know, people can discredit how put off, whatever. But when you have another Stanford-associated researcher on a project funded by the Department of Energy. Looking into ball lightning. Looking into ball lightning. Talking about this shit that does connect back to Kenny Shoulders' vacuum work. Right. And, and how put off, obviously part of SRI, yep. Stanford Research Institute, like vacuum currents in the Dirac Sea. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm fucking, I'm starting, I'm starting to think that there's, that, that some scientists already know that there's a like non-local side to reality. Yeah. And I'm, I wouldn't, wouldn't that just explain a lot? Yes. <laughs> kind of. Wouldn't that just kind of make the whole fucking thing make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a job, boys. I'm real good at fucking propaganda. I'll fucking, I'll, I'll, I'll let them know in a way that isn't too harsh. Yeah. Just let me in on it, please. I love this shit. The Hierophant. The Hierophant. Yeah. What do we make of that? I think the Hierophant Order. is time itself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the thing that passes down the arbitrary rules, the moral codes, the codes by which we live by, the agreed upon structure of society. Yeah. The Hierophant is the clock. Yeah. Very astute. I can't. That's it. That's, that's why right I flipped there. out when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. It's grandfather clock right there. That. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Short and sweet, but God damn it. Like Teaches it. us lessons, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're running out of time here. I think we are. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening. You're going to hear this after the new year, but, um, yeah, happy new year. Happy new year. We're going to take a vacation now in the past, listening to us in the past and yeah, hope, uh, hope you guys are doing well and thank you for listening. Thank you for, can you tell we're fried? Can you tell how badly we need a fucking vacation? (laughs) Um, We do. Does that mean we're not recording next week? No, we're not recording next week. Oh my god. No, we're taking the whole week off. Oh my god. No, no episode released. That was a couple weeks ago for you guys. No Patreon. Yeah, we're taking a taking a solid fucking wow. week off. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. We get one a year. 
Sweet. If you like what we hear, subscribe, tell your friends, give us a rating and review. Uh, tell your time gun wielding agent that's following grandma. you home. Tell your grandma. Tell your time gun wielding grandma. And if you want to support us, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash nonsense bizarre. You'll get access to our bonus series and it's good for you. And it's good for us too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Take care, guys. Happy Thank New you. Year. Be well. Catch you later. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>